Welcome to Behind the Warrior, a podcast presented by the EOD Warrior Foundation. This series will focus on resources, interviews, and topics impacting EOD warriors, their families, and the military community at large. Good afternoon, Mike. How are you? I'm doing great, Sherry. It's uh, really good to be here with you again and uh, looking forward to this interview that we're having. I agree. Um, today we have the great pleasure of uh, chatting with retired Sergeant First Class Jeff Truex, who is also a chairman of After the Long Walk, which is an EOD peer-to-peer online support group. Jeff, it's a pleasure to have you on with us today. It is my distinct pleasure to be here, Sherry. Jeff, glad to have you. Thanks for being on. My pleasure, Mike. Well, Jeff, you and I have known each other for over 10 years. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, yes. Uh, has it been 10 years, Sherry? I think it, it was has. a golf tournament. It was a golf <laughs> tournament in Fredericksburg, wasn't it? It was. It was. But it's been, it, it could be actually more than 10 years, quite frankly, but it has been 10 and, years. Yeah. It may, I, I remember the first event that I really, really helped out at was at golf tournament in Fredericksburg. Yeah. Um, well, about myself, I am, a, as you said, a retired Army EOD tech um, and chairman of After the Long Walk. Um, I was born and raised in California um, and joined the Army in uh, 1991. And uh, like everybody else, traveled around the country and around the world. And I ended up in North Carolina when I retired. Um, so now I live in North Carolina, just outside of Fort Bragg. Uh, close enough to have the plates rattle every once in a while when the uh, Marines come to town for their <laughs> artillery shoot. Um, I'm a facilities manager for Lockheed Martin on base. And uh, let's see, I, I ride my motorcycle every chance I get. And uh, I live with my girlfriend of nine years. We have two cats, two dogs. And if you can cook it outdoors, I'm, I'm all for it. Sounds amazing. <laughs> Sounds like you're living the life. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. If it was Florida, it'd be better, but we'll take North Carolina. There you go. Beautiful. Uh, Jeff, could you uh, give us a little bit of background? Um, I think you shared this story, which uh, I really enjoyed. Um, how did you become an EOD technician? I think there's a little, little, little story there that you shared. I found it really cool. So uh, it was about 1996, I believe, and I was at... Fort Polk, Louisiana, participating in the uh, the GRTC um, war games they have down there. And we were in the process of a, a live fire exercise, which included clearing a bunker complex. So we're doing, I was a combat engineer at the time, and we were in a support by fire position. And so everybody's shooting and everybody's throwing grenades and everybody's storming the castle. And uh, they call it a ceasefire because somebody threw a grenade with the jungle clip still on the pin or still on the grenade. And of course it went into a room and didn't go off. So they pulled everybody out of the bunker and moved us to a safe distance. And, uh, two guys in some, some semblance of a military uniform showed up with some, uh, C4 and got directions, walked into the bunker, found the grenade, blew it in place, walked out, hopped in their truck and took off. And I thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> so um, I, I thought it was great. And I decided to uh, see what I could do to follow that rabbit hole um, as far as it would take me. 
1998, I got accepted to EOD school and um, ended up in Florida and then Indian Head, Maryland as one of the last classes up there. And the rest is pretty much history. So how many years uh, during your Army career were you in EOD? I, I think the last count, last time I counted, it was 17 years. Wow, that is a long time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I can imagine that uh, being in the United States Army, as an EOD technician, you deployed numerous times. Do you have any idea how many times you, you deployed uh, in support of OIF, OEF? I deployed about four times during my career. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to Bosnia right after the big war started in 2002. Uh, then I went to Iraq at the beginning of that uh that movement in uh, 2003. After Iraq, I went to Kosovo for a year, and then there was a slight pause, and I got to go to Afghanistan in 2009. And there were a few trips here and there in between. So I can imagine that uh, you were involved probably in uh, combat operations uh, going on and also post-combat operations, and you must have seen quite a bit of uh, suffering, um, injury to friends, uh, com- uh comrades and others so that must have been uh, hard to go through yeah yeah it was all of us always say that you know when we're, when we're in country we we'd really re- the first thing we want to do is go home um and then when we get home we always say that we want to be back in country um mm-hmm. and there, there's some reality to that we you know you've never you've never really uh I, I said it once you've never really truly lived until you've thrown a grenade down a flight of stairs to wake somebody up in the morning <laughs> um, but also the, the trauma of, uh, of, you know, injury and, and, uh, death and, and loss really, really comes along with all that joy. Um, I, uh, I, I kind of think about it sometimes and, and you never, you never forget the last thing you told somebody, um, either before they get hurt or before they were killed. Uh, you'll always remember that you'll always have that, uh, that memory. Hopefully it's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, thank you for sharing that, Jeff. And um, in 2015, an Army EOD technician uh, that you knew took his life. And at that point, um, the EOD community, both active and veteran, uh, was experiencing multiple losses to suicide. And you, along with some of your EOD buddies, decided you wanted to help. And can you tell us what you did? Uh, yes. Um, shortly after that that uh, incident, um, Landon Jackson, who at the time was a, uh, a first sergeant at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, he got on uh, Facebook and, and sent a message to a bunch of uh, senior NCOs who he whom he'd served with and a bunch of, uh, of us retired guys um, really just saying we, ha- we have to do something about all these guys killing themselves. Uh, and, and we tried to brainstorm to see what we could do. And we, we threw a lot of ideas at a dartboard to see what would stick. And uh, what came up most was, a, was a, a hotline that an EOD tech can call when they're you know, depressed or sad or lonely or drunk or whatever the case may be, but a phone number for an EOD tech to call and talk to another EOD tech, not connected with a chain of command, uh, not a uh, not a, a kind of run-of-the-mill or cookie-cutter uh, 
suicide prevention hotline, but just a a, uh, a call directly to an ERD tech that he could talk, and, and we'd have something to uh, to share immediately. Um, both the caller and the the guy who answered the phone being an ERD tech. Right. So I mean, it was definitely you know you were looking for some sort of peer to peer support. Um, that yes. You you just solidified you know a common bond immediately if someone else on the other end of the line was was an EOD technician as well, so absolutely. Um, so please tell us how um, after the long walk came to be and the mission and the purpose. So we're we're listening. <laughs> so uh, as I mentioned, Landon put out a message to some of us, and uh, initially there there's a a good bit of interest. Um, and what we came up with was to start a hotline and we simply got onto a website and found a 1-800 number, um, and paid for that service. And we were able to forward that number to any 10 digit phone number, um, in existence, really, we've had trouble with uh, overseas lines, but any 10 digit phone number. So it was, it was almost just like, uh, CQ duty from back in the day where, uh, somebody from the shop would forward the phone lines from the shop to your personal phone. So we just kind of carrying on that EOD tradition there. Um, and we started a Facebook page just to keep track and tell people about the number. Um, we started a website and we actually started a, a GoFundMe account at the time as well. And we raised, we raised, um, I can't remember the original number. And by we raised, um, $4,500 on our initial GoFundMe platform. Um, so we decided our mission uh, is simply to disrupt the pattern of EOD suicides. And our purpose was to provide peer-to-peer mentorship to our community across all four services and including law enforcement, public, public safety bomb squad guys. Mm-hmm. So you have a, a peer-to-peer support group that's solely for EOD techs. And you've kind of explained already how it's run. Um, so can you tell the audience how exactly it is run? Like, how, how does it work? If there's someone that wants to uh, participate or has a question or makes a call, how, do, how does that work? Yeah. What we do is um, every week we have two guys man the phone lines. And anybody who is an EOD tech uh, can call. Quite frankly, anybody can call, but... Uh, specifically for uh, EOD techs. They could call and they could, um, like you said, ask questions, uh, uh, just engage in a conversation with another EOD tech. Um, we're, we're not a medical uh, resource at all, so we, we don't try to be doctors. Um, we, we, we're not an official reporting agency. Uh, so we don't. If you call, we're not going to tell anyone uh, the details of your call unless you're, you're really trying to hurt yourself. Uh, and then we'll pass on a few details to help try to save your life. Um, but we, uh, we, we're not a religious organization. We don't, we don't try to uh, convince you of any sort of faith. Um, and we're definitely not certified counselors. Uh, we do have a few counselors on our staff or in our membership that we can reach out to if necessary. Uh, but we don't try to claim that we're, you know, anybody important. We're just a, we're just an EOD tech on the other end of the line, listening to whatever your story is. 
Right. I've also noticed, uh, and you've pointed out that you guys are non-medical, so this is not um, a Facebook page where individuals can come and get medical advice from. Um, I've seen a lot of texts that have um, commented online and on Facebook, and they have shared with some of the things they're going through. And what I find really fascinating and, and, and really cool is that there's always people there to provide support and empathy to of understanding of what's going on. Uh, you guys uh, give out great referrals. You usually have other EOD techs who are in the know that can refer someone or reach out to that person. So um, I, I, think, I think you guys do a great job with that. And uh, you also shared with me um, previously, and you mentioned it here in the podcast, that you guys don't involve the uh, active duty chain of command, but sometimes uh, if you're working with a veteran, obviously there's no chain of command there, but with an active duty EOD tech that you are concerned about, um, have you guys worked with chain of command when it's appropriate or when the individual says, yes, you know, help me with that, and uh, how, how would that work, or how would you even broach that? Well, if we get a call from an active duty service guy or gal, um, it's our hope to uh, to get them to talk to their chain of command because their chain of command is going to have the, the tools and the, uh, the the availability of, of a higher level of care. Um, so we try to figure out where they're stationed, and chances are we know somebody there. Uh, we have a pretty big network of, uh, of guys and gals out here that if I don't know somebody, I can call somebody who does. Um, and, and get immediate help. And the best resource immediately is usually the, uh, the battalion chaplain. So if I can find somebody who's stationed in, in Texas, and if I can get a hold of the, uh, the chaplain of that EOD battalion, that chaplain can, can open up a lot more doors than I can. Um, and he can open them softer than a police officer can. So it's, it's nice to, to be able to get to the chaplain and, and, tell them what's going on and not once have I had a, a chaplain uh, turn me away from asking for help for somebody else. Right. So, um, again, this is not something that you, you're you're pushing on anybody who's active duty that comes to you and needs help. Uh, I totally understand what you're saying about many times the chain of command will have the help there. Uh, chaplains are absolutely critical in helping and like you said much more softer touch and uh, more inquisitive and sometimes very helpful versus you know the heavy hand of a police or someone of that nature and kind of help to get the ball rolling are you are you guys that uh, after the long walk or are you also getting some positive feedback and and cooperation and working with those agencies uh in the chain of command when when you uh, uh when the ud tech wants to is is that working out well it's it's been working out very very well um, we'd like to have some more, you know, non-emergency uh, interaction with the chains with the associated chain of command, um, just to get a face-to-face with a with a battalion commander or a company commander to let them know uh, what we're doing. We're not we're not complete cowboys out here. Uh, we're just kind of a little cowboy, right. and uh, we're uh, we're here to help. And just to give them that option to, to tell their guys, uh, guys and gals, that this resource is out there. So when you, know, you get all loaded up on the weekend, give our guys a call and keep them company if you need to. Right. And uh, I actually didn't write this down, but I think it's worth talking about. Um, and let's talk about our veterans, our veteran EOD techs that reach out to you. Um, 
what do you guys do for the veterans uh, depending upon where they're at obviously you want to know where are they at what's going on and so what kind of resources do you bring to the table and after the long walk to help a struggling veteran say in salt lake city utah oh you would have to pick a tough one uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, if if we find out that the veteran is in in an emergency situation and 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 prepared to take his or own her own life what we would really really want to do is either get an eod tech on their front porch if someone was willing or reach out to local law enforcement um a non-emergency number for that city gets you a, a usually a compassionate dispatcher and mm -hmm. we, we explain what we're doing and in most cases we'll get somebody um at least to make a phone call or do a health and welfare drive-by and a few times we've had um an eod tech on the phone as a police officer is pulling up um, and we're able to explain and kind of quarterback the whole effort on both sides. Uh, and that, that's the best case. So we have a, a soft approach with a, uh, a police officer who's not, who's not rolling into an unknown scene. He's on the phone with, with one of us and then a caller who is not seeing a cop roll up on his front porch, um, expecting the absolute worst. So we try to get the, the easiest approach to the situation and the softest approach to the situation mm -hmm. um, if it if it actually comes to that right Our, a lot of the times um we can just sit and chat with a veteran right. and um we, we talked about this earlier a uh, a lot of people who have attempted suicide say it just takes that one person to stop and say hey how are you doing or hey you know what's up with that phone call right before the incident um that stops the progress and stops the process yeah. So we try to be that, you know, that, that interruption, if not, if just for, you know, 15 minutes, hey man, uh, hey, call me in the morning. All right. And, uh, just gives that person pause. Mm -hmm. You put it that way. It's kind of a, gives them something to do in the morning. Um, so maybe they'll wait and, and then, uh, put the gun down and call me in the morning and see what's going on. Right. So whatever we can do to interrupt the, uh, interrupt the train, uh, we'll give it our best shot. Okay. So also, and after the long walk, um, you guys are run by volunteers. So usually EOD techs that volunteer to man the phones at after the long walk. Uh, could you tell us what do your volunteers do? Like what are what are all the things that they're expected to do as volunteers? Well, the number one thing we do is uh, we hope that our volunteers will uh, take a little bit of training. Um, we offer up the uh, Columbia uh, suicide severity rating scale training um columbia university has a uh, a matrix with a certain set of questions that lead to more questions to just rate the severity of a, a suicide attempt so we'll have our volunteers sit through about a 15 minute um video of uh the the creator of, of that that matrix explaining how it works um and it, it's really a neat matrix it's designed for absolutely anybody to use from you know from clergy or a, a supervisor to a janitor or a, a garbage man who notices somebody you know sitting on the corner next to the garbage can kind of depressed never seen that before it gives that person the ability to ask the right questions and hopefully direct um a person in need to the right the right amount of care so we ask our volunteers to take that training um that training is actually a, a military standard now so most people on active duty, most of our volunteers who are on active duty, have, have taken that training uh, 
already, whether they know it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, we asked them to go through the website and print out our certificate, send it to us so we can keep it for a, a record. And then the second thing is to be available. Um, our shifts are a week long and you don't have to stand by your phone, staring at your phone, waiting for it to ring for you know 24 seven. We have two people on shift and some of our folks work in a skiff. Some of our folks will, you know, uh, be out in the middle of the, the maneuver area and not able to get to a phone right away. So that's why we have two folks that kind of coordinate in between. And we, we, we set that up on Monday. So they have to keep an eye on Facebook on Monday for our, uh, our post and then just comment on our Facebook, uh, comment on our Facebook post and we'll, we'll do the rest. We'll just transfer the phone number to your personal phone and, and just let it ring. And uh, you guys have a really good mix of uh, retiree, veteran, and active duty. Is that correct for volunteers? That, that's very correct. Um, we have a, a company commander who is a, a constant volunteer. We've got retirees that uh, that volunteer for, for their own good uh, sometimes. They'll volunteer at least once a month. We've got a pretty good bench of uh, and, and a pretty good mix of uh, all four services. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing all of that information, Jeff. It's very important. And in this day and time of just this, you know, suicide being really an epidemic, and I think COVID has definitely proven to be uh, a little more challenging in this time. And, uh, you know, people are definitely suffering with additional loneliness and seclusion and a lot of other things and isolation. So, um we appreciate that information and, and encourage folks to volunteer if they feel the, uh, the need to, um, fulfill that role and, and be an ear for someone. So we appreciate that. Um, so how, how do you measure success of the actual program, Jeff? Um, the peer to peer support program. Measuring the success of, of our program is kind of difficult to measure. Um, cause it's the opposite of what EOD techs are used to, uh, we're used to, you know, initial success or total failure, uh, but it doesn't work that way here. Um, I wrote it down earlier that, um, you know, our successes, uh, are incremental or sometimes really in- invisible. We, we don't know when we've been successful, mm-hmm. um, other than the fact that we're not scrolling Facebook and seeing a banded badge and wondering, you know, what happened, um. So our, our, our successes kind of generally go unnoticed and, and we like, we, we don't brag, you know, we don't get on Facebook and post that, Hey, we had a call and we saved somebody's life. Uh, we keep that, that information between the, uh, the caller and the, the volunteer on the phone line. And that's just a conversation between them. And, um, so we don't keep track of, of, we don't keep track of our wins. Um, but our failures are, are, are pretty, pretty noticeable. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when we, we scroll Facebook in the morning and we start seeing, uh, banded badges, we know something's happened. And if there's not a, a current conflict somewhere in the world, we start thinking the worst and, uh, and everybody gets to talking and chatting and trying to figure out what happened. And, and that gets kind of monotonous. And we really try to stifle that, um, and wait for official word to come out. Cause we just don't want to assume, uh, we don't want to assume anything or make any, uh, you know, bad calls or, uh, or, or shoot. I don't know what to, don't know what to call it there. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you we don't want to make, make any, any assumptions. assumptions. Right, right. No assumptions. Yeah. In no addition, yeah, in addition to, you know, respecting the privacy of a family and, and all of those sorts of things, too. So it's important Absolutely. to just kind of pause a little bit and, and find out what's going on. Um, yes, under, understand that completely. Um, well, after the long walk is pursuing um, its 501c3 status and can you um, share what other plans um, you have in place for the future um, for after Absolutely. the long walk? Okay. Um, so in regard to the 501c3, we've, uh, we've become an LLC now. Mm -hmm. um, so we're incorporated. And we put our bylaws together and sent them forward to a, uh, a law firm who's uh, putting the final touches on that. And then we're going to fill out the, the final paperwork and file with the IRS. And we will be a legitimate, uh, recognized nonprofit. Uh, in addition to that, we have a, a Google Map. Um, one of our guys just started messing around with Google Maps and started dropping pins on uh, on, on the United States to start with. Uh, and he would put a, a name and a, a phone number on the pin. And it, it just ended up being uh, kind of cool that we could put everybody's phone number who wanted to, uh, to share their phone number or email uh, on a map. So I have it up on my screen right now and I'm looking at it and the entire United States of America has at least one pin in every single state. <laughs> uh, some of them are definitely clustered around military bases and we've got, we've even got one up in North Dakota. Um, so what we have is, is a, is a, a ready built network uh, of people who are willing to help. Uh, we have 657 people, uh, pins on this map. It, it goes global from, uh, from South Korea or even Thailand and Vietnam all the way over to Jordan, uh, uh, all the way over to Germany. So we built a map and we can use that map for, for anything we need to. It just shows the location and a, and a phone number of an EOD tech nearby. And you can use that map to call for help when you're in trouble or you can use that map to call another EUD tech when you buy a case of beer and you need some help drinking a couple of them. Um, <laughs> not once have we used that map where we called somebody and they were not willing to help immediately. It, it's been a great tool um, and it, it's done a, a whole lot of good. That's fantastic. Another thing we did was uh, one of our Navy, our retired Navy EUD techs decided to start a, a Facebook page for every state and some some regions uh, which is called four services in one badge and what it is is it's a, it's a regional facebook page so say washington state oregon and idaho there, there's not a whole lot of eod techs up there but in all three states there are so we kind of put those together so that um you know who your neighbors are and they're on a facebook page and you can share local stuff uh, in an attempt to kind of make after the long walk just a little bit smaller and a little bit more, uh, what's the word? Uh, can't think of the word I'm looking for. A little more comfortable or, um, darn it. There goes that PTSD. No, it's okay. Like more inclusive or more, um, intimate or just more intimate. Uh -huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the, the map makes after the long walk just a little more intimate. Mm -hmm. um, giving local support to EOD techs uh, across the entire globe. Mm -hmm. Okay. An example of how that was, is being used right now is um, we have a guy in, in Alabama 
who decided that he wanted to put together a, uh, a winter hunt uh, in northwest Alabama. So he posted on the local Alabama page, hey, I'm looking to do a hunt. I want to uh, get together a bunch of guys and we'll uh, go to a lodge and we'll shoot some whitetails or coyotes or hogs or whatever comes up. Uh, so just roger up onto this page. And it really localizes the effort. Uh, guys are answering left and right. I went ahead and threw my name in the hat and uh, I'll go go hunting in uh, December with uh, a couple guys from Alabama. should be kind of fun. Very cool. Um, I, I'm familiar with that that hunt that you're speaking about. <laughs> oh, good, so, good. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I think the whole map concept and, you know, dropping the pins and, and finding volunteers in addition to people that want to just connect, regardless if regardless if they're in trouble, I think it's just a real, really good connection tool. And uh, that's really, really, really good. So Jeff, with with all of this, um, what are some of the biggest challenges that After the Long Walk faces? It, sometimes it's a challenge to get volunteers. Mm -hmm. um, we, we have never gone without two volunteers on the phone line, but sometimes it, it's right up to the bitter end. We, we try to run a, a week-long shift, and the last thing I want to do is have a guy or girl sitting on the phone for se more than seven days because it, it can get worse. It can get, it can wear on you a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so getting two people to volunteer on a Monday afternoon to sit for another week's shift has been difficult sometimes. Um, but somebody always steps up, and uh, we've actually had to turn volunteers away once in a while. But generally, they'll wait for the next week, and we'll, we'll load up the bench so I don't have to look as hard in the immediate future. Mm -hmm. Um that, that's been difficult. Um, we started out as a very Army-heavy organization. Uh, Landon Jackson reached out to people he knew, and we are mostly Army. And we've been trying to uh, expand to the services more and more, and recently we have. Uh, we've had a, a big push from the Air Force. Uh, we had an entire flight down in Texas that, that stepped up and took the training, and, and it, we, sometimes we have to beat them away to, uh, to let somebody else take a shift. Um, and those guys, knowing a, a guys from different services really helps out if there's a problem somewhere other than an army base. Um, it has been difficult, though, balancing out service representation. Uh, we do have heavy army representation. We've got a lot of Navy guys who are, who are getting involved uh, and more Air Force. I'd like a couple more Marines to step up and, uh, and, and hit the phone watch, guys, if you're listening. Um, and then another big challenge is making time for the all the administrative stuff. Uh, everyone who's on the staff, our little uh, board of directors, is a, ha we all have day jobs. So getting things done to advance the organization, that, that's been taking a little while as well. Right. Well, it, everything takes time. And sometimes, you know, going at a slower pace is not necessarily a bad thing because you eventually work towards what you want it to be and what you want it to look like. And uh, I think I think you guys are, are headed in that direction, so that's fantastic. That's what our lawyer said about the, the bylaws. We took a little while to get those nailed, in, nailed down. And he said it was taking time and conversations were happening, and that meant we were getting it right. So we went ahead and took our time, and we didn't rush it. Mm -hmm. Jeff, uh, 
I really appreciate all the information that you've shared with us today, and I hope that those who are listening, if you're struggling, that you will uh, contact after the long walk just to get some information and definitely some peer support. And so could you share with our listeners what is the hotline number to contact after the long walk if you need some help? So the hotline number itself is 888-412-0470. Thank you. We have an email address as well which is simply after the long walk, all one word at gmail.com. And we have a website that's uh, starting to build a little bit. We had a soft opening um, and it's simply after the long walk.com. Great. Thanks for sharing that with us. Um, and as far as the Facebook page, that is actually called after the long walk as well. Correct, Jeff? Yes. Okay, Perfect. On the Facebook page, we'll ask a couple questions to verify that you're an EOD tech. Um, very, very simple. You know, what's your class number or how, what's your association to EOD? Just to make sure that we, we get an EOD tech signing up. We want to keep it uh, badgeware or, or badgeware family uh, centric. We don't want a, a lot of outliers on, on that Facebook page. Right. Understand. And um, totally understand. But I think there are maybe some lessons learned that other MOSs could could gain from, you know, uh, maybe talking to, to you or Landon or someone from your organization to potentially do the same for their, for their you know, MOS. You know, that'd be absolutely wonderful to, to be able to, to share to, a, to another MOS, you know, what we've done. There's so many opportunities there with, with an infantry-centric or a, or a, a seaman. Uh, a chief's page, you know, mm -hmm. whatever it came to be, mm -hmm. uh, it, it was really simple, and we're we'd love to share. We we, we don't have a uh, a copyright on uh, <laughs> on you know our, our peer to peer mentorship at all. Right, right. Well, Jeff, thank you very very much for providing um, immediate support and the caring and kindness on the other end of the phone. And when I say you know thank you to you, I also want to thank all of the volunteers and everyone that's been involved in actually heading this particular organization up, um, dedicating time to listen and be there. So thank you very, very much. Oh, it's, and I can say from the, from the organization, it's our, our pleasure to be there and uh, we weren't doing anything else. Oh, you guys are doing a great job. Thank you, Jeff. And uh, thank you, Mike. before we let you go, we want to, oh, yeah, you know what's going on. You know what comes next. Well, yeah, the fun part. But I, I did want to ask another question, Jeff. Is there anything else that you would like to say uh, or provide in this space to our listeners out there? Um, well, I, I've listened to the podcast a few times now, and, and, I, and I think it's great, uh, especially listening to the first one and then listening to a few more. So I want to thank you guys for, for putting this together. Uh, you know, you mentioned COVID earlier and, and the, the times that we're in right now. And you guys took that um, and, and your plans to, to, to do a retreat turned into something a whole lot bigger. Uh, it's been, what, a, a six-month retreat now? Yes. Long retreat. Without COVID, this, this resource probably would not exist. No. So no, this I want to thank you guys for what you do every week. Um, and, and I want to I want to warn you about Mario Kovic with uh, the Felix Project. He's a little 
he's a little sneaky. And I, and I think I saw some paperwork on his desk the other day. So yeah, I want you yeah. to look out for that guy. We're actually going to talk to him soon. So yes. uh, <laughs> thanks for the heads up. <laughs> <laughs> no, super cool. But thank you, Jeff. All right, My Jeff. My pleasure. So you, uh, you've told us that you have two dogs, two cats. You love to yes. grill any kind of meat. So we want to learn a little bit more about you. So we're going to do our favorite, uh, what's your favorite? So tell okay. us, tell us what is your favorite movie or genre of movies? So, um, of course, I love war movies. Um, but I think my favorite, my favorite movie right now, if I had to put a number on or put a name on it, would be Fury with Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is yeah. a great the line, movie. The line when they're sitting in the tank and they say it's the best job they've ever had. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times I posted that. Those exact words on Facebook. Yeah, and everybody just comments with that exact same phrase. You know, it's the no matter what we're doing, uh, right. it's the best job we've ever had. So, I, I think that just that line in that movie uh, kind of puts it together for me. Wow! Followed very closely by uh, Mary Poppins. <laughs> okay, now you got me worried. <laughs> How do you go from Fury to Mary Poppins? I want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know, but we'll leave it alone. It's your movies, and uh, that's what you like, and we'll leave it at that. Okay. How about there's your? A longer, there's a longer story about that one. I'll share that with you over a beer. Mike. Okay, you're you're on. Mm-hmm. How about uh, your favorite sport? Uh, in high school, I, I played rugby. I was a band geek for a while, and uh, I played some barnyard football one day. And and the guys said, "Hey, come out and play some rugby with us." So I um, I put on some cleats and a jersey and went out and played rugby. And that, man, that was a hoot. So my absolute favorite sport is rugby. Um, but now I'm a rugby guy at heart because my shoulders and knees just won't let me play anymore. Oh yeah, that's a that is a very tough sport. And do you have any uh, cauliflower ears from all those years playing rugby? A lot of those guys have. <laughs> no, uh, I, I learned about electrical tape and, and, and fall early. <laughs> right. So I, uh, yeah. No, that's a great sport. Okay, what's your favorite uh, adult beverage? My favorite adult beverage is a free adult beverage. <laughs> But my second favorite is a cold-free adult beverage. You, you must have read uh, The Millionaire Next Door where they said uh, the the best beer was free or other people's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Uh, but when it comes down to it, I will not say no to a, uh, a rum and ginger ale. Rum and ginger ale, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, there, there is this winery in Southern California you guys may have heard of. Um, this guy, Leon Tackett, he, uh, he, makes, yeah. he makes an amazing port. Um, it comes out of the bottle like syrup, but it is just delicious. If you get the chance, you should head out to uh, to his place. We have had that before, and it's 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 fantastic, Jeff. You are right. Well, that's a great plug for our listeners. Uh, go to Tackett Vineyards and <laughs> yeah. order some of Leon's wines and ports. Yep, Tackett mm-hmm. Family Vineyards. I'll talk to yeah. him about royalties later. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. How about uh, what is your favorite book or author? Um. That's that's a tough one. I've got I've got a bookshelf uh, full of books. Uh, if this is a video podcast, I probably would have moved them up uh, just so that uh, I could be like all the newscasters. But I can't nail down a single book. I've read um, by Leon Urris, Battle Cry by Leon Urris. I've probably read that a uh, hundred times. Hmm. Um, but right now, I've got Secret Warriors on my uh, on my to read list. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, it's an inside look at the covert military operation of the reagan era uh, so i'm going to give that one a shot it, it looks like it might be kind of fun wow that yeah, so it sounds like you love to read books 
I, I like to listen to them more, but mm-hmm. reading, if I have to, I'll put on the glasses and take a look. Okay. So uh, sort of segueing, what's your favorite relaxation method? My favorite relaxation method has got to be my motorcycle. I, I learned um, when I first started riding that you cannot ride a motorcycle angry. Uh, hmm. So when I would get done with my, my day on the range in Alabama, um, no matter what happened that day, as soon as I turned on the ignition and started the motor, it all went away because I had to uh, I had to pay attention to ride the motorcycle. And I've kept that mantra going for a uh, for quite a long time. Um, get done with the day, go out to my motorcycle, hit that starter button and just go. And I forget about the day until until I can kind of sort it out and, and either start over or and get home and just completely forget about it. Nice. And last one for you. What is your favorite outdoor activity? I couldn't nail one down. Um, so kind of like the movies, the, the, the flavor of the day, is probably outdoor cooking. Um, I love to barbecue. I love to smoke. If you're a friend of mine on Facebook, uh, at least every week, sometimes every other week, uh, I'm posting pictures of something I smoked or something I barbecued or something I grilled, followed closely by gardening. Um, I'm a gardener by proxy. My girlfriend loves gardening. Um, so we have a significant garden in the backyard and I get to, uh, I'm kind of the hammer while well, she's the, uh, the carpenter when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mind throwing my, throwing a ball with my dog. I, I've always wanted a dog that would go fetch. And now I've got one. He, he chews on furniture and eats my shoes, but he also fetches a tennis ball pretty well. <laughs> so I love that. That's and then uh, hiking would come in there somewhere as well, going for a nice little hike in the woods. Well, I love it, Jeff. You, you have a, you're a well-rounded individual. You have a lot of activities, a lot of pursuits. I think it's great. And, uh, quite frankly, we have to cut this off now because you are making me extremely hungry talking about grilling and, and smoking <laughs> meat. So, uh, pork, yeah. Pork sandwiches. Oh, stop. Delish. Okay. <laughs> but seriously, we have come to the end. And again, Jeff, uh, thank you. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. It is my absolute pleasure. I'm looking forward to the rest of the series. Well, we are too, Jeff, and we have a lot more to share with with the community and military at large. Um, and we just keep, you know, reaching out, and hopefully people are going to benefit from listening to one or all of them. And, you know, we're also very open to suggestions. So if folks have something that they'd like for us to cover, we can do the research and find a subject matter expert and uh get it on get it on the podcast so um yeah we just uh we're just trying and this has been a great way to reach people and we appreciate everyone that has participated and you know thank you so so much for your time today and what after the long walk is doing for our eod community yeah i'm 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 glad to be a representative of, of what we're doing so uh it's fun yeah. It, it, it sucks sometimes, but it, it's our absolute pleasure. Yep. Understand that saying. Yes. Understand. Well, you guys are doing awesome work. Thank you, Jeff, to, to you and everyone at after the long walk. You're welcome, guys. All right. Take care, my friend. All right. Take care. All right. All right. Bye, Bye, Jeff. Talk to you guys later. Thank you for listening to our Behind the Warrior podcast. This series is provided to you by the EOD Warrior Foundation. To learn more, please visit us on Facebook or at eodwarriorfoundation.org. And don't forget to tell a friend.